Happy Friday. It's April 29th, 2016, and this is Travelogue, the podcast of Condé Nast Traveler. I am here with Jaina Maleri, who's a podcast producer for us, and our digital style editor, Laura Redman, who's the editor for our site. And we have a very special guest today, Jonathan Webster from Wool and Oak. My name is Brad Rickman, and we are going to get right into it. Um, the question that we are asking today is this. <laughs> is Kickstarter the future of travel gear. Maybe. Maybe? Yes. Did I get that right? Is that, that, the that right was way? very that, good. That was yeah. very good. The way to ask? Um, should we just say yes, maybe, no, and then call it a day? Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> so what, the reason why we're asking this question is because in the last, I think, since December, what are we, in April now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've covered no fewer than, and possibly more than, six different products that have come out on Kickstarter that we ourselves thought were either interesting, fascinating, or really great and very promising as travel pieces alone. And so I wanted to go back through and call a couple of these out. There was the inflatable travel hoodie. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, the hood. Wait, the hood inflated to like a a pillow. Yes, and it was removable, I think. And it was also sort of an oversized hood so that you can manipulate the pillow inside it. So if you were sitting upright and needed to shift it, or if you were like in an airport and wanted to fully like stretch out on the floor, like you see people doing who mm-hmm. have who are in some sort of terrible travel <laughs> hell and need to sleep on the floor, um, you could move it. But like, was it like an airbag for your head? It was, Basically. Yeah, or it was like yeah. I think we it described com- it as like a pool, like a, a uh, swimmy that yes. a little kid would wear on his arm, but in a hood. The world's best sleep hoodie. We somebody called it. <laughs> uh, Hypnos was who made that. So we'll collect all of these and put them on the site so you can actually come and read them. We'll collect them on the podcast post that we put up today. Okay, so there was the inflatable hoodie, which looks looks she looks really well rested in the photo on the story. She does. And then she there was out. the she looks like she's been hurt. <laughs> well, she does at that, but you in can't a peaceful see this. way. Sorry, Radio Land. In, in a peaceful way. There was the GRO. The, the G row, yeah, the I know G-Row. them very you know well. You know I've, I've all researched of these. all of these people. Oh man! Yeah, before I launched the G row, they're the carry on, the suitcase. Yeah. yeah, tell us a little bit about that. I think that one you could use it to. It was the wheels. It had very large wheels. Very large wheels on the outside mm-hmm. that were supposed to, I think, make for a any very... terrain. Yes. It's, so so it's you're... a super smooth yeah. ride, and I think also you could charge things mm-hmm. with the bag, which is sort of becoming That's more and more thing, like yeah. standard. The mechanism for the wheels, I think, can take up some space inside the Mm -hmm. luggage, but Mm -hmm. this construction allowed for sort of more storage on the inside of the bag. Okay. And then there was also the $9 million... Travel jacket. Travel jacket. There was a travel jacket. Oh, I know them very well. (laughs) Yeah. Do you you know it? Have you tried it? I haven't tried it? it, but here's the funny thing about Kickstarter. Once you get to a certain amount... It becomes like a club, and people oh. know each other, and uh, we research about each other, and, and sometimes we even talk to each other. So the G-Row people, they backed me, and I backed them. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like this, I want to say boys club, but it's like this Kickstarter, uh, we've made it club. And um, it's kind of So we kind of know the ins and outs and the underbelly of what Kickstarter is about, and and the way to go about it. It's, it's, it's a cool community. Do you share challenges with each other? Or? We share strategies, okay. uh, what works, what doesn't. We're always trying to figure out because Kickstarter is evolving and the way that people are looking at Kickstarter is changing. And so we uh, 
keep notes and tabs on each other and try to see who's going to do the next product and how are they going to do it and how are they going to do better than their last debut. Right. Well, it's interesting. It feels like Kickstarter is becoming a retail site. Basically. I mean, it, very much so. That it's it like might... a pre-order retail right. site. Right. And um, it's such an awesome thing. I mean, for businesses like mine, to be able to tap into this thing that five years ago you didn't really have the chance to, is it's incredible. And you'll and you, more brands are coming out of it. So, uh, or that... more, actually more products, I should say, come out of it because it's hard to take a product into a brand. So right now, I think we're all just products mm-hmm. trying to transition into brands, and, and that's the Kickstarter dynamic of it. You mentioned five years ago this wasn't possible. It was very different. Crowdfunding so, in general, yeah. So maybe can you rewind back to, um, I'm wondering, what was the conventional process? If you had designed this bag mm-hmm. in 1998 or in 2006, well, what I can would the process you, have looked like? I can tell you, before I started Wool and Oak, I tried to start my own brand. Well, I guess my first brand, and that was a men's tailoring. And I had to go the conventional way. It's super difficult because... The amount of money that takes to even break the seal of the fashion industry. I've, I've worked for Theory, I worked for Helmut Lang, I worked for the big companies, and the amount of money that you pour into marketing. Or if you want a buyer to put you in their store, they look at your collection, they say, oh, that's great, let's see if you can do it again next year, maybe we'll buy or next season. So you just burn through so much cash. And with my first brand, I started noticing like I'm burning through a lot of money, all my savings basically, and nothing. I'm not even close to to tapping the market. No one knows. It, the brand was called Jay Webster, and it was just so difficult. And then uh, what I did one night, I basically wrote down all the problems I had with this brand. When I wrote them down, I said to myself, what's going to be the solution to fix this? Manufacturing, uh, money, production, and Kickstarter was literally the answer I came up with. So I kind of repositioned myself and repositioned the way I wanted to enter the fashion industry, and I thought... Well, Kickstarter is good for products. Let me develop a product that I've always kind of wanted to, which is our bag. I kind of tackled it that way. I started looking at the most successful Kickstarters, like the Travel Jacket, the Giro. I mean, I watched these people. And uh, even if it was, like you said, 98 or if it was last year, certain things are built for Kickstarter. Not every brand can just go in there. So you have to kind of finagle your way. Is there a Kickstarter kind of product? I would say certain products do better than others. You want something that people haven't seen before. It's mm-hmm. kind of like you go to the MoMA store and mm-hmm. uh, you, you see these cool products that these design. It's, it's really for the, the design fanatics. Like mm-hmm. I love design. I love certain things like that. So I would say either you're pushing a really good message or you have a really great product. Products with more features typically do better Look at the travel jacket that did nine million. I think they had like thirty features in that jacket. Yeah. What were some of those features? Oh. It had like a cup holder. <laughs> it had. It also a had a pin think, that was your zipper. Right. <laughs> there was like an. In, I think there was maybe a flashlight. There was an yep. inflatable so element as I, well. Yeah, I've I got think. our. St- I've got our story here. Okay. I so run down them. the list. Yes. Okay. There's an earphone holder, mm-hmm. a drink pocket. A sunglass pocket, which I suppose doubles as regular. Just a pocket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. There's a microfiber cloth, which I'm sure has many uses, none of which are coming to mind. But Well, to clean your screens. Phones, to glasses, your screen. yeah. Right. Yep. Um, there's a pen stylus built into it. There's an iPad pocket, which... Again, is just a pocket. That's a pretty big pocket. You know, when I was looking at this, I was like, that jacket's going to be very heavy Um, once it's utilized. Yeah, you were all, like, loaded up. I feel like you would – I just think you would look like you had something really weird going on under your – 
close. And yet, and yet if like you're not loaded up, it just looks like your basic it's hoodie with some hoodie. extra pockets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So hand-warming pockets, which again look very much like regular hoodie pockets. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Cleverly disguised. There's a neck pillow. So mm-hmm. I don't know if this neck pillow is better than the inflatable hoodies neck pillow, but my question is, have what happens if that thing pops? The neck pillow. Yeah. It's Around like, your ears? That sounds or, or, lovely. Or your pillow will never inflate again. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Or, uh, yeah. I, I don't mean, know. There's sounds like a crisis. So <laughs> many pockets. So I mean, there's passport a, pockets, phone but pockets. But wait, we're, we're far from done, people. <laughs> there's an eye mask, a passport pocket, again, different from regular pockets, mm-hmm. and yet very similar. There's a phone pocket. There's a portable charger pocket, a blanket pocket, and gloves built right into it. So it's basically lots of pockets. Yeah, that's the Swiss Army knife. Yes, but I think it's interesting to me that, like you said, we've written about a handful of these Kickstarter campaigns, and there are many, many more that we have not written about either because, you know, they didn't seem as compelling to us, or there, you know, there are so many that don't actually get funding. I think we've Mm -hmm. mentioned there was one and the campaign was for a piece of <laughs> luggage that you could actually ride. Oh, yeah. I've seen those scooter ones. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't think that they ultimately got funding. But the video is really, really excellent and worth checking out <laughs> to see these, like, grown men cruising around on their suitcases. <laughs> I think that would be fun. Suitcases. I think we had a prototype of that in the, off- in the old office. Really? Yeah, up at Times Square. So fun. Yeah. But I think what's interesting to me, because obviously we're always looking for products like this that we can talk about on our site and things that seem interesting to us or that seem innovative. And it just seems like over the past few months, it's been sort of picking up speed and Kickstarter is like increasingly becoming a place where travel gear specifically is really taking off. And I sort of wondered if you had noticed that there wasn't sort of room to innovate elsewhere because I feel like, you know, like traditional luggage companies aren't doing things like what the Giro is doing. I mean, they're maybe starting to, but it seemed like I'm just wondering if there is something like inherently in that travel space that doesn't allow for this type of innovation. I mean, if you look at the travel uh, industry, not much has really changed. I think the biggest thing was when a bag got four wheels instead of two, so you could just move it along. But I would say... Duffel bags, that's, I tackle duffel bags uh, personally because they're just a gaping hole. There's really no organization to a duffel bag. And, and I love suitcases because of there's those panels that separate everything. Right. And it is very curious to why no, like these big companies like Samsonite or Toomey or even the, the cool brands, I guess, like... Uh, well, Ramoa. Like, yeah. They, uh, why aren't they doing stuff? Or the Herschel. Right. They, they do backpacks, but... It's just curious to why they're not really innovating, and I think um, Kickstarter just makes it cool to let people flash or flex their It's the perfect platform, muscles. right, yeah. to innovate. I mean, it's where you can take risks. That's where oh, of course. anyone... There's it, not much capital that really goes into starting a Kickstarter. It really depends on the, what kind of production you want mm-hmm. as far as content goes and video. I mean, we shoestringed it. Yeah, can uh, you can you tell us a little yeah. bit? About, I'm curious about what are the things that you go through in order to launch the a process, Kickstarter campaign? Um, you know, the, the most important is to research your competition. So for me personally, I researched all the other travel, see what they did right, see what they did wrong. There's a common theme in a lot of Kickstarter pages because that's kind of your selling point when you get on the website and you scroll through things. You want a lot of good graphics, good content, easy to explain, keep it not very wordy. 
But the process for me was, so I did the research, um, me being in the design industry, I didn't have to outsource any design work. I, I built the bag myself out of paper, reached out to some contacts I had uh, in India and said, here's some files basically on the computer. Can you guys make a few prototypes? It took about six months to finally get the bag right because uh, they didn't understand the concept of walls in a bag and it really hadn't been done before. So once we finally got the prototype right, I took my friend. He worked at MTV at the time and we you know, took some cameras and uh, we shot at the JFK airport with no permit. <laughs> just just went there. We yeah, had, how is that? It was sketchy. It was <laughs> <laughs> we were like we were we were looking for the place where there was no security. We had a big camera, like a really nice camera. It's kind of concerning that you found a place with, I know, no, with security. no security. <laughs> I guess so. We were at the food court. So Great, we, perfect. We, we went to the food court and uh, literally I had worked on the script a little bit, and basically my uh, message was to show why the other bags are inefficient compared to traveling with our bag. And um, I just showed one guy fumbling and bumbling, couldn't work out his life with a carry-on. It kept falling down. He couldn't get anything out of it. And this other guy, which I played, it was just me and my friend because we didn't hire anybody. Uh, I played the the cool guy with the, the duffel bag, <laughs> the duffel suitcase, as we call it. And uh, if I needed my computer, I could slip it right out. If I had to put on a suit jacket, comes out not wrinkled. And so we literally did that in one day, probably like... Just took a cab up there, brought my few friends, and just shot a quick video, did some B-roll around the airport, and built the whole concept around travel. And um, so once we got the video, it basically came down just putting all the pieces together. And then uh, there's a lot of marketing and pre-marketing that goes into a Kickstarter. And I think the most successful ones know this. And the ones who, who aren't so successful, maybe they overlook because maybe they get an idea and they say, I'm going to launch a Kickstarter in a month or maybe in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. But it took me literally almost a year wow. to launch my Kickstarter. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's so surprising. Yeah. It wasn't just like, I have an idea. Here we go. Uh, but people do it that people way. People do do it. And um, everyone works differently. I can't say the way I did it is the right way. It worked for me. But I put in a lot of research, a lot of prototyping. And um, with all the skills that I knew or know... I launched in my Kickstarter in January of this year, and I had started coming up with the idea of a Kickstarter January of last year. Mm-hmm. So throughout the whole summer, last summer, was developing the concept and about two months putting the page together. And then we did a referral campaign before the Kickstarter where we gave away free bags to people who shared on social media. Oh, wow. Did you have to produce the bags at that point? Or was I was just you, making samples. Yeah. So this is kind of like the, the budget, uh, very like a shoestring budget. It didn't no, no more than a couple thousand dollars to get to, to, to get to the point of a finalized Kickstarter, uh, just getting samples made and shipped. And luckily, I know manufacturing. Like I said, I worked at the big design houses here in New York City, and I worked in the production room, and I worked in manufacturing. So... Before I started my own business, I wanted to learn every aspect of fashion design. So I think that helped out a lot. The supply chain, that helped me out a lot, getting all that together. Yeah, because how much do you have to know? Uh, you know, you don't know what's going to happen, right? And of course. Do you have to, how much sort of about the supply chain do you have to have well, lined up? You have to finagle the, the manufacturers because they think you're putting in an order and I'm letting them know, yes, the order is going to come, but I'm not telling them it may or may not come. It depends if I get funded. But I had enough confidence to let them know, okay, I'm going to give you guys an order when the Kickstarter was over. And if the Kickstarter failed, then maybe I just say, hey, let's push it back a little bit. Mm -hmm. But um, we hit $75,000 in two days. So I told the factory, like, all right, start preparing. And that was your initial goal? That was the initial goal. And how do you choose that that goal? goal? Basically, a manufacturer has minimums. 
And uh, for me, it was 300 bags. So basically, it costs 75000 to make 300 bags. Okay. So I have to meet their minimum. And that's kind of how I broke it down. And some Kickstarters put a really low goal, knowing that they're probably going to reach it. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm, I didn't want to risk maybe hitting like $60,000 and then having to fulfill it and then lose money. Right. Um, so, yeah, you just kind of work with the factory and then... Um, and how much confidence did you have, like internally, being honest, that you were going to hit that seventy-five? Ah, uh, it was a coin flip. What was the first day like? I mean, was the first there day was quick awesome. Response? I mean, we hit thirty-four k in the first day, and I was shocked by this because I remember before, because when you launch a Kickstarter, there's a big button that says launch because they have to approve it, and once approved, you choose launch. And I'm sitting there thinking, this can either go really, really bad, and I have to leave New York <laughs> and move back home because <laughs> I've basically spent a whole year of not working or working on this or this could do all right and i mean it exceeded my expectations you know we're still selling the same way we're not on kickstarter anymore we're on indiegogo which is a similar thing and we're still selling we're at like seven hundred thousand right now and it's still climbing but i remember pushing that button i was so scared <laughs> i was super scared and you said these bags are in a storage unit right Somewhere well i have a, all the samples come to me so i got a little storage unit here because i i work out of my studio apartment lower east side Great. like 300 square foot work from home on my desk, wake up, my commute's about 30 seconds. <laughs> so all the samples just started piling up because right. I have to go over them. And before you go into production, I'm super particular about production. I want all of my backers to be happy. I mean, they're giving me money. They're trusting me. I'm a nobody. I'm a, I'm a brand that no one's heard of. And they believe in me. So I, I made sure all this stuff was in order and in line. And so all my samples are in a storage unit piling up. I think we should say at this point, we haven't even really touted your bag yet. I mean, the reason we wrote about, Jaina wrote about this bag, mm-hmm. it caught our eye. First, it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Thank you. There's leather, canvas. Is there one other line? Um, no, it's right. Just, it's yeah. a, well, tell there's us. a leather. Just tell us. Yeah. yeah, we have uh, Do four, the pitch. four. Yeah, here we go. Four <laughs> leather options. <laughs> um, yeah, four leather options and then a canvas with leather trim. And I kept the options very minimal because I didn't want to overwhelm myself. And I think a lot of Kickstarters tend to get, well, let's do this, let's add this, let's add that. But my goal was uh, let's get an awesome product out and then, you know, get gain the trust, build a community. But, yeah, all leather. We're just doing one product, which is the duffel suitcase. we got a couple more products uh, being worked out. So and then uh, we'll launch a, a couple more Kickstarters um, and build the the company like this. But uh, well, the thing I love about your bag though is how many. I mean, we were talking about this yeah. a little bit before the podcast. The organization in it. It you called it like kind of the bag for OCD. Yeah. You know? like, I, there's so many great pockets. Tell us a little bit about what's inside. So okay, yeah. So the bag itself it has a lot of pockets and not in the sense where you get lost with where your pockets are because they're they're built in a way that when you put something there you'll remember it and. Uh, there's two walls that separate the bag into three compartments. And the concept of the bag is to not let your clothes touch your daily stuff, maybe your laptop or your your books or your tablet or your shoes. And uh, it's like a, you can pack it in so many ways. It's so cool. Like for me, I was telling you, it's like a game of Tetris. Uh, depending on where I'm going or how I'm going to travel, maybe this weekend or the next, you can you, you just organize the way you want your clothes. And it's even good. Sometimes I use it as a day bag where I just put uh, maybe some chargers in one pocket, a laptop in the other, and a couple books in the in the third one. But it's it's just it's so cool because I hated my old duffel bags where I would have to rummage through my clothes to find maybe my book or my laptop or my passport. And now I don't have to look at my clothes. Right. I think that's what was like 
like Laura said, it's just so beautiful. It's really clean. It looks really classic. That's, um, that's what I was going to yeah, say. It, cl- yeah. it looks very classic. That's the goal. And I love that, that type you of thing. And you don't see that as much. You I think, find. you know, as I love the fact that luggage can do sort of techie things now, like charge our phones mm-hmm. or our iPads or our Kindles when we're traveling. I think that's really great. But for some reason, I think there's often this, like, feeling that you need to because it's doing something sort of techy like go into they of a sacrifice tech the direction. aesthetics yeah and so i just like a minimalist like I classic totally agree. looking almost a little bit vintage like unisex is also mm-hmm. like so appealing so that's what i first loved about the bag cuz you know i get pitched these kickstarter projects like mm-hmm. fairly regularly and it's a lot to wade through but that definitely caught my eye but then also i think what you were talking about, those sort of walls where you can separate. I think what ends up happening is that you have this bag that, you know, so say you're at check-in and you're, you know, you have to open it up. Like you can open it up and it's created, it's put together in such a way that it's sort of like you have this really clean sort of palette in front of you where it's just everything is totally... Everything's where it needs to be. Yeah. (laughs) And then, like, so you don't even even have to see your clothes, which is, like, when you're going through security, you don't care about that because no one's ever going to ask you to, like... They're going to ask you to take out, like, your laptop or take out Mm -hmm. your electronics, and that can all just be right there. And then the clothes are tucked away. The clothes aren't getting messy because yeah. I feel like a duffel bag really is just sort of one giant pocket It is, it's and just everything just has to go in, in the pocket and so this is like but it also doesn't feel you know I mean I, there's a place for the nine million dollar travel jacket but you know I think you can also reach a tipping point where it's pocket overload because then it's just like well where the f- yeah. like where the hell is my stuff like I don't know You're I've got 80 all your pockets, pockets like, yeah. to get through yeah, and I, I just want to know ID. like yeah where my like wallet is but I think that this also just seems to have the right amount of pockets. It's balanced. And, you know, I'm, I, what I guess. What is the right amount of pockets? How many pockets are there? Well, uh, one, two. <laughs> it's around 13. Okay. But, Lucky yeah, there's there's like three, four, five zipper pockets, but the rest are pockets built in the wall. So they're just more like slips. But uh, like uh, Jane was saying, um, I always loved the old Louis Vuitton luggage. Like, I love that stuff. I guess I'm a romantic when it comes to that. And my design background has always been contemporary design. And, and you see those very functional bags. They look like something out of a movie from Tron or something. Like right. it's super, super functional, but they give up all the beautiful aesthetics. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm building this brand around. And, and I think uh, I think it's a good start. Well, I also think uh, we've talked about this before on other podcasts, but there have been so many changes to check bag fees. Yeah. I think there's been a rise in the carry-on bag. $25, $35. It's right. insane. So I think it's really important to find that kind of weekender now mm-hmm. with the duffel. I mean, right. you see more and more people doing that over rollies, too, at this point, even if you're going on a trip for five days, seven well, days. The you know? thing is, if you get a rollie, it's only for, basically, you only use it when you travel on a plane. I wanted people to use it for road trips, people to use it uh, for camping, maybe the canvas one, stuff like that. And you can fit seven days worth of traveling if you pack this thing tight it saves you money in the long run i hate checking in my bag because then you gotta wait and i get everyone knows this and it's just a headache well it also begs the question do you roll your clothing or flat pack it i roll it yes <laughs> boo <laughs> jana jana fix him yeah <laughs> get in there i mean we've done very very explain, scientific explain studies explain him yeah explain we, him what his, the error of his ways is we have done a, a very unscientific experiment where mm-hmm. i took the same number of outfits and flat packed them and then rolled them. And I was 
with rolling, I couldn't fit one entire outfit. So I think I could fit like seven when I flat packed and then six. Interesting. Yes. People told me loudly and aggressively <laughs> in our Facebook comments that I did it wrong. <laughs> it's like iPod versus Android or something. Yeah. <laughs> and that I didn't roll things tightly enough, but I still, I just feel like, I don't know. I'm just like... I, Flat That's science. For life. It's science, I guess. <laughs> what I hybrid it though. Bag for you know what? What makes the most sense in your bag? For and what and what do you mean? What you roll? Do you roll to pack? Well, okay, so yeah. Uh, well, you do both. I do a hybrid actually. Even when I pack a, a, a luggage, I flat pack my pants and I roll my shirts. Um, oh. You don't see wrinkles. You're okay. Well, I, the casual shirts I roll, but okay. if I have like dry clean stuff, I I just lay them flat on top of everything. Um, but for my bag, yeah, you can roll one side. I, what I do is I roll like the casual stuff on the left compartment, and then I put my suit very softly folded on the right compartment with nothing in there to crush it. And that wall basically is a protector. So it has like, it's, it's so cool because I don't ruin my dry cleaning anymore. And that's the thing, as guys, uh, I hate when I get something dry cleaned and I have to travel. Mm-hmm. I gotta iron it. I hate ironing. Yeah. I had to do that so much in oh, fashion school. It sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Literally sitting over a hot iron. So what do you always fun. pack? When I'm traveling, uh, definitely black jeans. I always have to have my jeans. If it's hot, like I'm going to India in mm. three days mm-hmm. for a month. So I'm really having to figure out how to pack. And out there, it's like 100 degrees every day. Right. So some linen pants for there. T-shirts. Is, uh, it's got to be. Um, I'm always, I wear a lot of button-up shirts. Mm-hmm. And uh, if they're, I have two kinds, casual ones and then dress ones, mm-hmm. depending on the situation. But for me, it's always I have to have uh, two pairs of shoes, depending on the color of uh, the suit that I bring. One suit, kind of like a little mini wardrobe. It sucks. I pack too much sometimes, but I need it. <laughs> Are you a, a book or a Kindle kind of guy? Book. Always oh, book. Okay. I do not like reading on technology. I like to feel the pages in my hand. Mm-hmm. That's the romantic in me again. <laughs> right. Yeah, the very old school feeling. But I think that's what we liked about the bag too is that it had pockets for things like chargers and yeah. iPads and computers, but it also had pockets specifically for books. books. It yeah. had pockets for pens, which I really like cuz I always bring pens when I travel. I bring I my travel. journal. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like a hybrid in a few different ways. It's like a duffel slash suitcase, and it's also sort of old school slash new school, which yeah. I really thought was kind of cool and different too. Thank it you. feels yeah. like it, it feels like it's really made by somebody and for somebody who travels. Like it feels like it, it really is in the pocket of, of mm-hmm. understanding the various things that you need in just the right amount. I, I mean, that's I what pulled all of my experience in traveling and when I was out in Europe backpacking through and checking all the places, it's, I always wanted to bring more and I couldn't and a backpack just wasn't cool enough for me, I suppose. <laughs> I didn't want to look like I was in high school We're anymore. 20, right? Yeah. Right. And um, a, a carry-on is just not very efficient when you're just trying to jump hotel to hotel mm-hmm. or maybe sleep on the beach <laughs> when you're when you're a college kid. <laughs> so, you know, a, a duffel bag is, is was always something I carried, but the duffels always uh, just messed up everything inside. Yeah. So like you said, yeah, it, it came from experience to, to build this bag out. Yeah. So when you go to India, is it is this a work trip? Yeah, it's work. I'm going to oversee all the production for all wow. my awesome backers out there who have supported me and make sure their bags get made perfect. What's the latest count? Uh, we are at 2,300 bags. 
great. And yeah. did you, I'm always curious when I think, you know, I, I was curious also with that travel jacket where when you so far exceed the expectation, mm-hmm. did that change? Like, did you have to change? You have change? to be careful. Um, yeah. I think, you know, with that travel jacket, they have so many moving pieces. They have so many manufacturers they have to work with right. because the people who build the gloves are not the people who build the jacket. The people who makes the pin is not the people who make the zippers. And for me, this comes back to my experience. I made something as minimalistic and as simple for the supply chain mm-hmm. in mind. And uh, I could have gone up and done, we could do 10,000 bags because the, the factory okay. I work with makes coach. Uh, so this is a very, very highly regarded factory. Right, and they've been so doing it These for are the a kind while. of things I made sure of. And you hear those horror stories that people don't fulfill on Kickstarter. And I think it's because they didn't do their homework. And, uh, you know, I'm committed to to staying out there and going to the factory every day and making sure that it's done right. So uh, and how long will that take? How long will you be there for a month? I'll be out there. We've already been in production for two months, uh, getting the leather made as a process. And then now we're in sewing and then I'm going to go out there and quality check, quality control up to my standards. And they're very high. So if some things aren't right, uh, you know, I got to let them know, you know, fix this or. And is that all you, or do you have people that you're working with? I have two other people that are basically my eyes and ears in India, but this has been all me. I'm a one-man team. Um, My lovely wife has helped me a lot. Uh (laughs) Like, she's been there through and through. Um, But, yeah, I don't have any employees yet. Mm -hmm. You know, that's building out the business is something I'm very careful about. You you always want to keep your equity. So what's the hope and dream? The hope and dream, I want to dismantle to me. I want right. to, uh, yeah. Hi, you hear that, yes. Toomey, I'm out for you guys. <laughs> um, I really, I, what I really want to do is create a brand that offers function without sacrificing aesthetics. So, and all within the realm of travel. All well, travel is the the travel for me is the the customer that travels is a customer that has money to spend, and I think it's a great customer to have. And I did the apparel thing. Apparel is a very difficult thing to do you have such like you got to please everybody but with travel you can please more people and i love travel and i think people should be able to do it easier and carry more but not sacrifice style yeah come on you mentioned that you left kickstarter and went to so my kickstarter ended yeah so basically you put a timeline on your kickstarter Mm -hmm. uh, and i put 45 days and uh once it ends you don't you still have so much momentum there's this platform called indiegogo which they allow you to roll over your Kickstarter to them. And basically you just allow more pre-orders. Mm-hmm. So I'm taking in pre-orders and I'm doing production because I'm, I'm making more, a little bit more bags than what I really need because I'll keep selling until the next Kickstarter comes out. And uh, people are pre-ordering there and we've already done an extra, I think, $130,000 on that. So. And where do you go after that? After that, I'm building out my website so people can go to there, but I'm going to do another Kickstarter. I need to build a brand, and right now I'm just a product, and my product is a duffel suitcase. And until I can create this brand that people like Wool and Oak makes awesome travel stuff, I got to stick to the plan of making great products. And Kickstarter, it's just so cool because I can gain the trust of people. If I do one really good one, they'll trust me again, and maybe after a couple years, start getting into stores. Uh, you know, I'm in talks with a few department stores. Wow. Uh, but they want to see more from me, and I totally understand. They want to make sure I can deliver on time. They want to make sure I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So, but it would just be cool to be like another Louis Vuitton, uh, like a heritage brand, but that is more with our modern time that we live in. So, what's the next product? 
Ooh, I cannot give any specifics. Oh, I mean, I'm oh, so on, excited. Yeah, I know. I know, I know. I'm sorry, guys. This got is a bunch of journalists in the room. <laughs> it's going to be so cool. I mean, it's another bag. Uh, it's not a duffel bag, but it's got... It's... I, I, Okay. It's, all right. It's gonna be Bad beautiful. Okay. You call yeah. us when, it, you call you guys when you're ready. It's, it's beautiful and it functions very well. And when are you starting to ship your current bag? The current bags will ship in uh, the first shipment starting in May. Okay. So while I'm out there, I'm gonna make sure. And then uh, the second shipment, uh, like a couple weeks after, because we did so many more than the factory expected, we had to break it down into two shipments. And you want to make sure quality is good. Absolutely. And you feel like you. F- it sounds like the answer. T- to this is yes, but if you feel like Kickstarter is still very much a, a, a platform on which to oh, do totally. this. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, if you're a new business and you want to to capture an, an audience that basically you would have to pay a lot of money to market or you have to get into stores, this is kind of where it is. And, and the people who come back to Kickstarter, the people who buy, they understand what they're getting into and they're willing to wait. And I think that's so cool that people buy a product and they're willing to wait four months just to be like the first ones to have it. They're the early adopters. So Kickstarter tapped into the early adopter market and now entrepreneurs like myself are just having a a field day of of being able to exercise our creative muscles. (laughs) And for travel. Like it's like travel is for travel. Travel's a big category now in Kickstarter. I'm noticing a lot of stuff, different bags are coming out. So the competition is getting up there. Um, I think just design in general, but travel is a good platform because what else is out there right now where people are innovating this industry? Um, mm-hmm. I can't really name one thing off the top of my head where it's like this company is doing these really cool things. I gotta, I want to be a part of it. And it's also an industry that like so desperately sort of needs yeah. that. You know, it needs everyone's been carrying around the same what three, four kinds of suitcases forever. And so I think it is It is really interesting to see that mm-hmm. um, it's happening more and more on Kickstarter. And it's super expensive, some of the stuff. Like uh, carry-ons can get up to like 800 if you want like the really nice and oh, ones. Yeah. So like with Kickstarter, I'm able to like offer an affordable bag. Less than $300 is a pretty killer deal for mm-hmm. a duffel bag, mm-hmm. leather especially. And mm-hmm. you go, uh, you look at Barney's or you go on sites like Mr. Porter, that stuff is like $1,000. Easily, Easily, yeah. And it's just a bag with no function, so... I'm able to, it's a win-win for the backers and for the, the creators. And did Kickstarter, did they sort of support the campaign in any way? Like, I know that they do a thing where they'll sort of make you a featured. Yeah. For me, no, they didn't. I reached out. Um, I don't really know what they choose and how they choose it. Yeah. I wasn't I wasn't one of the lucky ones, I suppose. But, um, but so then that's even more impressive that you said in your first two days you had how many? Uh, yeah, in the first two days, we basically hit the $75,000 goal. So were you, like, very actively pushing it? Oh, I was 24-7 on my computer. I didn't see sun. <laughs> I mean, I was literally waking up, checking my email. Every morning, I would wake up and check the count. Like, okay, we got some more. But uh, the the thing is, if you do really well in those first few days, it's like Google. You get on that top of that search, mm-hmm. that top of the chain, and it just snowballed. People were finding me just because I was on that top of the list. And you're on the top of the list because of how many sales you're doing right. per, uh, per day. So you're not even doing marketing. It's just kind of word of mouth. Almost. Yeah. You know, I, I wish I did marketing. You went viral. I yeah. went viral, basically. And uh, I wish I did marketing because I think I could have really killed it. But um, 
I think you killed it. Yeah. I think yeah. I did kill yeah. it. I think, I think you killed it. I wanted to be in the Millionaire yeah. Club, you know. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's an exclusive club up there. I'm still clawing after, but uh, hopefully the next one. With the next one. I can break some records. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank you so much, yeah. of course. And thank you so much, Jonathan, for coming to oh, talk yeah, to us today. Um, and thanks to you and Laura and Jaina for talking. That'll do it for us. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast or at least listen to the podcast. We're on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud. We're everywhere that fine podcasts can be consumed. And visit us at cntraveler.com. We're also at Condé Nast Traveler on Facebook and on YouTube. And CN Traveler on Instagram, Twitter, and the Snapchat. Jonathan, where can folk find your bag or find you? So if they want to find about the bag, they can go to woolandoak.com. Wool and oak, all one word? Yeah, wool and oak, all one word. Um, and then what are you on Instagram? On Instagram, we are at wool and oak. Uh, Twitter, wool and oak. Facebook, wool and oak. I took them all. Make it <laughs> yeah, easy. I made, I made sure people. I got them all. Yeah, well done. Um, and then uh, maybe Snapchat soon. <laughs> I got to catch up. Yeah. <laughs> You could do great Snapchat with that I bag. I could. We yeah. could Snapchat that bag. Please do. Yes. You we guys can. Snapchat the I will give yeah. you. The, I'll give you the rights of Snapchat. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. We'll do it. Jaina. Yes, you can find me on Instagram at uh, jwmalary and on Snapchat at Jaina Malary. Laura. I'm at Laura underscore Redman on Instagram and at Danon825 on Twitter. And I'm at Bradrick, and that will do it. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for stopping by. <laughs>